Hello, this is Adrian Hendricks and Jerry Hendricks from Save One More Now Incorporated, where our focus is to lovingly confront all activities that dishonor human life created in the image of God. There is no greater dishonor to God in human life than to reject His eternal salvation only available through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us. When we began to broadcast these messages, we were following what we believed the Lord was communicating to us that He wanted. You know, something very interesting happens when you tell the Lord you want to be His and you are willing to follow Him everywhere He leads. Because He doesn't make emotionally generated promises that turn out to be empty, He takes you seriously. Bit by bit, as you follow His leading, in every way you can detect, He begins to pull layers of your life back for you to see exactly what is going on. You can see what you are obeying, and more importantly, what you are not obeying. Some of you out there listening know the truth of this, and you agree with a hearty, Amen. But there are others of you who have no idea what I mean. Besides, this doesn't sound like something you really want to do. You may be thinking, well, if God is going to show me up like that, why should I bother? Let me tell you why you want to bother. It is for your personal holiness. One thing God says in His Word over and over again is how much He wants people to be with Him. Back at Leviticus chapter 26, verses 11 and 12, he says, I will set my tent among you, and my soul won't abhor you. I will walk among you and will be your God, and you will be my people. He repeats this refrain at many places. At Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 26, Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant with them. I will place them, multiply them, and will set my sanctuary among them forevermore. He says it at Jeremiah chapter 27, verse 4. I will give them a heart to know me, that I am Yahweh. They will be my people, and I will be their God, for they will return to me with their whole heart. And again at Zechariah chapter 8, verse 8. And I will bring them, and they will dwell within Jerusalem, and they will be my people, and I will be their God, in truth and in righteousness. And at Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind. I will also write them on their heart. I will be their God and they will be my people. Now, some may say, but he was talking to the children of Israel. I'm not Jewish. Well, not so fast. God never intended to leave other nations out of his plan to join him. At Exodus chapter 12, verses 48 and 49, Moses was instructed to tell the people that there was a way the stranger sojourning with them could become as one with them. When a stranger shall live as a foreigner with you and will keep the Passover to Yahweh, let all his males be circumcised and then let him come near and keep it. And he shall be as one who was born in the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. One law shall be to him who is born at home, and to the stranger who lives as a foreigner among you. This inclusion of non-Jewish people can also be seen at Zechariah chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Sing and rejoice, daughter of Zion, for behold, I come, and I will dwell within you, says Yahweh. Many nations shall join themselves to Yahweh in that day, and shall be my people, and I will dwell among you, and you shall know that Yahweh of armies has sent me to you. Did you hear that? Many nations shall join themselves to Yahweh in that day and shall be my people. If you are not Jewish, you are many nations. There is another place in the Word of God that includes the nations. 
The entire third chapter of the book of Galatians explains that faith in Jesus makes one righteous just as Abraham believed God and had it counted to him as righteousness. Listen to these specific verses beginning at Galatians chapter 3 verse 6. Even as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness, know therefore that those who are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the good news beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you all the nations will be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with the faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who doesn't continue in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them. Now, that no man is justified by the law before God is evident, for the righteous will live by faith. The law is not of faith, but the man who does them will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. But the scripture imprisoned all things under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, confined for the faith which should come afterwards be revealed, so that the law has become our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring and heirs according to the promise. That puts all of us who have trusted Jesus in a very special place with God. God wants us to be with him so much that he made it possible for those of us who used to be outcasts to now be his children. Truthfully, some of you may say, well, I just as soon not be quite so special. Naturally speaking, that would be understandable, but we are dealing with an eternal holy God who is intent on us becoming holy. The author of Hebrews encourages us to receive God's dealing with us at chapter 12, verses 5 through 10. And you have forgotten the exhortation which reasons with you as with children. My son, don't take lightly the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with children. For what son is there whom his father doesn't discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have been made partakers, then you are illegitimate and not children. Furthermore, we had the fathers of our flesh to chasten us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed, for a few days, punished us as seemed good to them. But he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. In fact, Romans chapter 8 explains much of what happens to us as we move along the journey to glory. The main purpose of our life here is to be made like the God-man Jesus, as verse 29 says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So why are we having so much trouble realizing this parent-child relationship with God in our everyday lives? One reason is that we are double-minded. Jesus hinted at the misery of this at Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. 
No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and mammon. There are so many admonitions in the Bible for us to follow after goodness, righteousness, and holiness. This is not so our lives would be boring, but so we would learn to be holy and to learn to prefer holiness. And God wants this for us because He is like that. Everyone knows that ultimately people prefer to be with those like themselves. We are that way because we carry God's image. He wants us to be like Him so we can be with Him. And ultimately, we want to be with Him too. Hell was made for angels who deliberately make conscious choices to rebel against God. It was never meant to be a place for humans, but if we can't be with Him, there's nowhere else to go. God even tells us with complete certainty what awaits those who want Him badly enough to become like Him, and also what will happen to those who don't want Him or anything to do with Him at Revelation chapter 21, verses 3-8. through 8. I heard a loud voice out of heaven saying, Behold, God's dwelling is with people, and He will dwell with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Neither will there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. The first things have passed away. He who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. He said, Write, for these words of God are faithful and true. He said to me, I have become Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give freely to him who is thirsty from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes, I will give him these things. I will be his God and he will be my son. But for the cowardly, unbelieving, sinners, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their part is in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Another challenge we encounter living as children of God on earth is that we are opposed by God's enemy and ours, Satan. And he doesn't always come to us boldly, but stealthily, sneaky-like. He takes us away from the protection of the fear of the Lord bit by bit. We become comfortable, and then we start to make what we think are tiny, insignificant moves away from what the Lord has told us to concentrate on and stay with. The Lord does this not because he is the creator and has every right to, which he does, but because his entire motive for us is love. He wants us to be with him. However, if we allow ourselves to begin thinking in ways he warns us to avoid, we begin to let our eyes and ears receive sights and sounds that draw us away from him, and we begin to allow our mouths to fill with gossip, complaining, lying, and cursing. Eventually, such carelessness will create hardness in our hearts, and we will end up as James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 observes. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. Then the lust, when it has conceived, bears sin, and the sin, when it is full grown, produces death. If and when we allow ourselves to think contrary to what God has carefully repeated in His Word for us and by His Spirit, we can be led to make rationalizations towards sin. Instead of waiting on God to meet our needs and desires, we may decide to take care of it ourselves in ways that we think are expedient and harmless to others. But Galatians chapter 5 verses 19 through 21 describes the ways we may act without God that will fast track us into situations that will destroy us and hurt the innocent. Now the deeds of the flesh are obvious, which are adultery, sexual immorality, uncleanness, lustfulness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousies, 
outbursts of anger, rivalries, divisions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, even as I also forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit God's kingdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, and chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, make us aware of what we are really doing. Don't you know that you are a temple of God and that God's Spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, which you are. Or don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We may not realize it, but living in that manner while claiming Jesus as Lord and Savior is a form of idolatry. It causes us to depend on something and someone other than our loving Heavenly Father to meet our needs. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 explains it like this, What agreement has a temple of God with idols? For you are a temple of the living God. Even as God said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Okay, there it is again. They shall be my people. He means business about this thing, and he is training us. Listen, have you ever been prompted to do something you normally don't do, not sinful of course, or prompted to do something you do habitually but in a way that is unusual, but ignore the prompting? Think about it a minute. Did the results turn out badly for you or for someone else? Or have you been prompted to take an action out of the ordinary but obeyed it instead and the results were amazing but not for you? Was your obedience to this prompting an answer to someone's prayer? I have experienced both of these enough to finally figure out that the Holy Spirit was actually telling me to do something that Jesus wanted done. He is training us for something huge. That is why we need to have him living in us, but our lives must be arranged to qualify as an habitation for him. He has called all who hear his voice to glorify him. Listen to what 1 Peter 2 verse 5 tells us. You also, as living stones, are built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We have more hints about this relationship with God from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2-11. through 11. Grace to you and peace be multiplied in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and virtue, by which He has granted to us His precious and exceedingly great promises, that through these you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world by lust. Yes, and for this very cause, adding on to your part all diligence, in your faith supply moral excellence and in moral excellence knowledge and in knowledge self-control and in self-control perseverance and in perseverance godliness and in godliness brotherly affection and in brotherly affection love for if these things are yours and abound they make you to be not idle or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ For he who lacks these things is blind, seeing only what is near, having forgotten the cleansing from his old sins. Therefore, brothers, be more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For thus you will be richly supplied with the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And just so we will take this seriously, verse 19 says, 
we have the more sure word of prophecy, and you do well that you heed it as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. 1 John chapter 5, verses 20 and 21 could be considered as the sum of these things. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, in His Son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. When God lives in us, we are never alone. His Holy Spirit acts as a sentinel to keep the treasure of faith in our earthen vessels intact as witnessed by 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Hold the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus, that good thing which was committed to you, guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Let's return to Romans chapter 8 once more that explains why we must be so diligent and faithful to follow the voice of Jesus, starting at verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if it is so that the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if any man doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. If Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised up Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are children of God. For you didn't receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. We keep talking about Jesus because he is the heavenly template, living in us into whom God is transforming us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 15 says it like this, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. We challenge all listeners today to ask the Lord God, your Heavenly Father, to let you know when he is speaking to you by his Holy Spirit and to help you to follow his instructions instantly and trust every result to him. Remember, he is training you in his holiness, which is absolutely necessary for your relationship with him, according to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. He has provided everything you need to fulfill the desire of his heart and yours. But for those who don't know the Lord and are having trouble believing anything that has been said today, we dare you to ask the Lord to reveal his reality to you in a way that is unmistakable for you. The second you realize what is happening, allow your belief to come front and center. Confess your recognition of Jesus' sacrifice for you and take his hand. According to Romans chapter 9, verse 26, And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, You are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. You can be one of his prized beloved children today. Don't keep him waiting. Dear God, this day we thank you and speak to you now according to what is written at Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 14. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and without defect before him in love. Having predestined us for adoption as children through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his desire, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he freely gave us favor in the Beloved, in whom we have our redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in him, to an administration of the fullness of the times, to sum up all things in Christ, the things in the heavens and the things on the earth in him, in whom also we were assigned an inheritance, having been foreordained according to the purpose of him who does all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we should be to the praise of his glory, we who had before hoped in Christ. In him you also, having heard the word of the truth, the good news of your salvation, in whom, having also believed, you were sealed with the promise, Holy Spirit, who is a pledge of our inheritance to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. We're trusting, Holy Father, that as we speak your word back to you as a prayer in the hearing of others, you will confirm that it is indeed your word and bring it to pass for those who are longing for a safe, faithful, loving relationship with the one who loves them beyond this life. We are not asking for their will to be violated, but you have made us all, and you know how to win our hearts and souls. It is this wooing of the skeptic, the depressed, those who have lost their faith, those who have learned to mistrust and be afraid, those who are the furthest away from you, precious Father, for whom we are asking. We know you want this more than we do because you loved us all before we ever knew you or heard about you, and you sent Jesus as our rescuer. Let no one hearing this message be left without a witness that you are real, that you love us, and if we call on you honestly, you will answer. Finally, Lord, we ask you to protect everyone from the deceiver. Let them know that faith in your Son, Jesus, is the only means of salvation from the wrath that is coming upon the world because of those who disobey you. All thanks, praise, honor, and glory belong to you, Father, for revealing your enormous heart to us and for making us yours through the life of Jesus, the precious blood of Jesus, and the mighty resurrection of Jesus. It is in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. We at Save One More Now Incorporated encourage all listeners to seek the Lord for His calling on your life. If you faithfully spend time with Him throughout the day, you will come to know without a doubt that He really loves you, and He has a purpose for your being here. You can hear this message again on our website at saveonemorenow.org. We can be reached by email at truelife at saveonemorenow.org or our telephone number in the United States, 850-727-0493.
We look forward to joining you next week and ask you to remember, Life is good. God gives life. God is good.